0: Well, they battled, but the Minnesota Wilds ultimately fall 3-1 to one to the Calgary Flames and lose their third straight game. We'll break down all the action as well as what is probably going to be a similar pattern here throughout the rest of the month of January on today's Locked on Wild Postcast. You are Locked on Wild Postcast. Part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. The Minnesota Wild lose by a score of three to one to the Calgary Flames, and it's now a three game losing streak for the Minnesota Wild. Welcome into another Locked On Wild postcast as we break down uh, all of the action or lack thereof from what we saw from the Minnesota Wild here tonight. It was it was a pretty quiet game for the Minnesota Wild to say the least. Obviously, not a great first period as the uh, the Flames were able to dominate play for the most part and came away with two goals. Uh, Andrew Majupani scoring on uh, a deflected puck that he was able to uh, tip down underneath Flurry's arm, and then of course Jonathan Huberto scores. For the Flames to make it 2 0 at that point. Uh, the Wild did get a goal from Pat Maroon in the second period on a uh, nifty little um, kind of a birdie tap in off of a uh, play that Maroon and uh, Nick Patan were able to um, put together for a rush. And so it was 2 to 1 heading into the third. The Wilds could not really have played any better in the third period, but they weren't able to solve. Jacob Markstrom who turned away a lot of shots that seemed to go directly into his pads and uh, the Wilds come away frustrated on the uh, the wrong end of a 3 to 1 game and I'm not I'm not upset really by much that happened in this game I just am kind of concerned that this is going to be what we see from this team As we navigate through without the likes of Karel Kaprizov, without the likes of Matt Zuccarello, I don't have to tell you all the names. We know all the names at this point by memory of the players that aren't in the lineup. And look, Marc-Andre Fleury was great in this one tonight. You should feel pretty confident about your ability to win a game when your goalie gives up two goals, has some just fantastic saves especially in the second especially in the third it seemed like Fleury just was making great save after great save in that third period but if that top line if that Boldy Erickson Eck and Johansson line isn't scoring it's gonna be a struggle to get offense from the rest of this team and now you add into the mix um you add into the mix Marcus Felino now being hurt and John Hines saying after the game that um, they have no update on the severity of his injury. So that's looking like another one that you're going to have to just stash on the bench uh, for a week or two or 10 um, and are just going to have to hope that at some point all these guys come back, but here's here's the problem with that is, you know, and Hines talked about this after the game is that teams to just continue to play with this identity that they have put together um, and just continue to play this type of style and just hang on until everybody is able to come back. But guess what? There is not enough season left for this team to get everybody back and to be able to make a push. Like I'm, I am holding out as much hope as I can because selfishly covering a team in the postseason versus having the team be done during the regular season, be eliminated, and having to start off-season content during the season is that that is where things kind of start to become a struggle and so my continued push like the team is going to be for this team to get into the postseason but i just games like tonight about one of the more winnable games that you're going to have the entire month of january it makes it tough to see a future in which unless everybody comes back it makes it tough to see a future in which there is a postseason in this type of year. Because let's just let's just take stock of where we're at right now. Jonas Brodeen, by all accounts, really not close to a return. So I I don't know if it's gonna be a month, if it's gonna be two months, the rest of the season. So that is probably the furthest player out that you are looking at for a return. You also factor in now Kirill Kaprizov and Philip Gustafson, and I about threw up when in Michael Russo's story he said that the team is hopeful that Kaprizov can return sometime before Philip Gustafson. That's um, that's not encouraging at all. Um, I I know in the initial reports. It was said that Kaprizov was going to miss one to two weeks, but it seems like now that's kind of been walked back to week to week. Um, You've got Matt Zuccarello who skated today, but he's still week to week and now no idea as to what the injury situation is for Marcus Foligno. So it's like that he's going to be out too. Uh, I think it was Dylan Lokes tweeted out that the wild had 52 million dollars of their salary cap uh, not in the lineup tonight. And at some point, at some point it's just insurmountable. Like we we just have to face facts that at some point it's um, it's just an insurmountable amount of injuries to overcome. And credit to the Iowa guys for coming in and doing what you would expect Iowa players to do. Like, I don't think anybody is going to say that Jake Lucchini, Nick Patan, Sammy Walker, I don't think anybody is going to question the work ethic that those guys brought in. And, you know, you you talk about the continued efforts of Dewar and Duhame. And honestly, I really, it it's not a it's not an issue of of lack of effort it is just plain and simple compared to other teams a lack of skill like you are just missing so much skill on this team and you're missing one of the guys that is just such a focal point of what you're trying to do offensively in Kirill Kaprizov. Just think about the number of times, the number of instances in which Kirill Kaprizov is the one that um, handles the puck in almost every situation out there on the ice. And honestly, if you want my two cents as to why the first period went the way that it did, was because there are a lot of players on this roster that are not the go-getter types from a scoring perspective and so you have a lot of guys that just aren't sure who's going to be the one to take the lead and you see it you know I I would will credit players like Brock Faber and Marco Rossi till the day I die because they just their game doesn't change regardless of who's in the lineup who's out of the lineup their game doesn't change because they are still even with this team hitting this losing skid now um they continue to just push and so you see those little moments of of like Brock Faber sliding into the zone or demanding the puck on the power play so that he can rifle a shot off when other players don't when the Marcus Johansons have open opportunities on the far side of the zone in the in the face off circle and just don't pull the trigger like you have to um, you if you're on that top line now you got to just let it rip. And I, I get, I get it. Calgary Flames—they blocked a ton of shots here tonight. And the last thing you want to do is take a shot from the top of the zone that gets blocked, and it leads to a an odd man rush going the other way, or a or a breakaway. But the guys that are in the positions to lead this team, the driver seats, which is the Matt Boldy line, and look. Boldy, I th- I thought Boldy bounced back nicely after his game on Sunday, in which I didn't think he played particularly well. I thought Jewel Erickson acted a lot of really good things in this one, but um, it, it's it's been, I think, two consecutive games now in which we have seen Johansson kind of go back to where he was at the beginning of the season, where he's just straight up not taking shots. And if you are going to be playing twenty minutes a night for this team, you can't be a passenger. You can't just be along for the ride. You have to be playing a an aggressive role, um in in what is going on on the ice. And if you're not, then somebody else is going to have to step in and take those opportunities because you just you can't afford to. You can't afford to have as many one and done possessions as this team did early in the game at times throughout the second period because look at how much time it led to sustained zone time for the Calgary Flames early on. It it's it, they're going to have to fight and claw and scrap and work for everything that they get over the next three to four weeks. And with the teams that we talked about coming up on the schedule, it it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a very, very uh, it's going to be a roller coaster. Now they beat the Tampa Bay lightning on Thursday. I'm going to hop in here. Like they just won the Stanley cup and am going to, climb on the we're back wagon Tuesday never happens that's just the nature of how this works that's just the nature of covering sports is that you ride the highs and the lows you fully dip your hands into the highest of highs and the lowest of lows and um you know it's It it, at this point, just a game in to um, a game into 2024. It's just feeling like this is going to be a struggle until some of these guys come back. And I'm not just talking about like uh, you got to eke out three to two wins every night. Like you're going to have to beat some teams one to nothing where you find a way to get a lucky bounce and your goalie just completely stops the uh the opponent from scoring so those are kind of my two cents as to uh what we saw here in this one tonight uh we obviously have a lot more to get to here um i will try to make this not a funeral procession um (laughs) but we i feel like we're walking down that road already enough as it is so we'll try to lighten it up we'll uh We'll get to your comments and we'll continue to react to a three-to-one loss to the Calgary Flames by your Minnesota Wild. More of tonight's Lockdown Wild Postcast is on the way after this. Tonight's Lockdown Wild Postcast is brought to you by Game Time. If one of your New Year's resolutions is to be more in the moment in 2024, Game Time can help you with some of those spontaneous sports or concert experiences let's say you wake up in the morning and decide that you want to go watch the minnesota timberwolves continue their hot start to the season but you have had experiences in the past where you go to try to get tickets and you find they're too expensive or even worse you buy the tickets and you go to the target center and find that your seat view is obstructed nobody wants to deal with any of that and so GameTime is here to help make your ticket buying experience as stress-free as possible. GameTime offers you last-minute ticket deals, plus they show you the view from every seat in the venue, so you don't have to guess anymore. They'll show you exactly what you can see from your seat. Take all the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Tonight's Lockdown Wild postcast is also brought to you by FanDuel. As the NFL season draws to a close, there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. FanDuel is incredibly easy to use with very wide-ranging different ways to bet, such as their live same-game parlays. You can bet the second half over on the national championship game next weekend, for instance. Or you can bet the first half under for the Minnesota Vikings and the Detroit Lions this weekend. You can also find bets in their new Explore tab and put together an unbeatable parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find the most popular parlays. Visit Fanduel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. Fanduel, official partner of the NFL. Welcome back to tonight's Lockdown wild postcast Minnesota wild fall by a score of three to one to the Calgary flames and uh, therapy is now in session as we break down this loss and uh, the just continued fallout from it. Uh, let's start with quadrum. What's happening quadrum. Uh Annoyed that all three extensions, Hartman, Zuccarello, and El Felino have been hurt. Hartman has left twice and returned. Zuccarello has been out forever. Not sure how Bill Guerin didn't see this coming. And, you know, the funny thing is all three of those deals did not look great at the beginning of the season, and before they all got hurt, they were starting to look better, um, but it's like... The thing that I think is frustrating, too, is just the lack of the lack of idea of timetable on any of these. Had the team come out and said, hey, Matt Zuccarello tore a calf muscle. He's going to be out for six to eight weeks or something like that. To where you have a definitive timetable, that is much easier to uh, that's much easier to stomach it. Jonas Brodine is in a cast of some sort after his upper body injury. And so if you come out and you say he broke a bone in his wrist or or something along those lines and you say the expected timetable is blank, it's much easier to stomach as opposed to just the vagueness at which we get any sort of updates. The NFL has it like the next day. Justin Jefferson's dealing with a calf injury. Expected return time is two to three weeks. For the NHL, all you get is the day day after the game, all you get is we have no no update, and then the update that you get is upper or lower body, and either day-to-day or week-to-week, or if it's really bad, they just put him directly on injured reserve. I think that's what makes these injuries the most frustrating is because we don't see anything in the case of Matt Zuccarello. You don't see anything that happens that is like, oh man, this is really bad. Like this is probably going to be something that puts him out of the lineup for a while. Like when Jonas Brodine got smashed up against the boards In that moment you're like, yeah, that did not look great. Wouldn't surprise me if he's out for a while, but players come out of the lineup and you don't get any updates as to what's going on. And it leaves us just completely guessing as to what's happening. And so I think had we known the extent of the injuries, I think some of this is more palatable, but you know, I've, I'm in the same boat. Like I, I just always was of the opinion that there was no need to to rush into any of those extensions. You could have just seen how the season went. And if you have a season like this, the natural response is to take a bit of a step back. Now you really can't. If this season continues to play out the way that it is, let's say you finish 15 or 20 points out of a playoff spot you don't really have options at this point unless you go to players and try to get them to waive all of these no movement or no trade clauses. You don't really have a choice other than to just roll it up and, and hit the ground running with the same speed and intensity and ferocity that the start of the season this year had. And so it just, it feels like it has just kind of boxed this team into a corner. Now, we're dealing with 100% hindsight. Let's say Zuccarello, after signing the extension, and look, he he was producing a ton of points before he got hurt. Let's say he had 35, 36 points, 40 points in 30 games. I don't think anybody questions that deal. But I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we have no idea how long these guys are out when we can expect them back and you are limping to the finish line like this is this is like trying to run a marathon with a charley horse a ruptured achilles a sprained mcl broken toes and just hoping that you can get to the finish line without like Without something more catastrophic somehow than that happening, and like like what is going to happen now if something were to happen to Mark Andre Fleury, you're sunk at that point until Jesper Volstad is ready to return, and even then, like you have enough players that are injured right now that you could fill up a clinic. You could fill a hospital with the number of players that are injured on this team. Um, And you are putting players in the lineup to replace these guys that just don't bring the same thing that the guys that are out of the lineup do. That's the biggest problem is you don't have a Kirill Kaprizov anywhere in the minors, anywhere in your roster to replace him. And you're not going to be able to replace those types of skills with one guy. So you have to try to spread it around. But then you're also missing just so many other pieces that it's it becomes like trying to, to plug leaks in a leaky dam. You only have 10 fingers to be able to plug. And it feels like there are 50 leaks on this team as of uh, right now. now As uh, as Steve mentions, in all fairness, these guys haven't had a whole lot of time to mesh. The systems are the same, but the players are not. And, you know, I I get this point, too, is that it seems like every time somebody gets something, you know, positively built, they get hurt and knocked out of the lineup. Kaprizov playing his best of the season. Then he gets hurt and he gets knocked out of the lineup. Jonas Brodeen. Best defenseman outside of Brock Faber on the team. He gets knocked out of the lineup. Philip Gustafson, six and three in his last nine starts. He gets knocked out of the lineup. It's like every time something good happens to this team, they get the um, they get the rug yanked out of them. Uh, And it's like, oh, okay. So you thought that was bad when I twisted the leg on the voodoo doll to make it so that you broke your actual leg. Well, how about we do that to an arm now? Like, I just want to find whoever has the Minnesota Wild voodoo doll and continues to throw it down a flight of stairs. And I just want to talk to that person um, and take the doll back so that I can try to get it cl- get it sm- straightened out, smoothed out, and get all these guys back in the lineup so that uh, we can try to get something going again. Uh, K... Kay- Mimu three, Patan looked good. And he did. Nick Patan has looked good when he's played. Like, I don't want to take anything away from these guys that are filling in. They're in tough situations, but I I have liked what we've seen from Patan and especially Lucini uh when they have been pressed into the lineup. Um, they battle, they're physical, they are not afraid to kind of get their hands dirty and muck it up. And that plays at the NHL level. Now, the skill is probably another conversation for those guys, but look, let's it's not a coincidence that that those guys were leading Iowa in scoring uh when they were called up. Lucchini has I think 9 goals on the season for the Iowa Wilds. Uh Patan, one of the leading scorers for the Iowa Wild. So it's not like they're just not doing Anything. It just, I think, further emphasizes the jump in talent from the AHL to the NHL. I, I mean, we we should be thankful the fact that I'm not going to have to uh, I'm not going to have to soapbox about John Merrill tonight because he didn't play. And so at least that portion of this uh, this game is not one that we're going to have to really dive into. Bob joining us. Time to rename the show "Locked On Long Term Injured Reserve." Uh, I might do that for the uh, the Twitter account "Locked On Injured Reserve" because everybody is every person on this team is um, is on the on the bench, injured, hurt, injured reserve. You name it, they're um, they're they're on there. Quadrum talking about Sammy Walker here. Walker hasn't impressed me. I've heard his praises for the past two years, but he appears to me that he can play fast minus the production, kind of underwhelming. I'm going to use the term for Sammy Walker here. He has been kind of just a guy, a jag, as they call him, just a guy. There hasn't been, as there was a couple of seasons ago, where you noticed, you noticed him. Um, in the lineup with like Jewell Ericsonek and um, with Freddie Goudreau or whatever that line combination was um, a couple of seasons ago, y- you just aren't noticing him in those same ways that uh, that you were. Now it's not to say that he isn't doing the uh, the same things, but I think this is kind of, I think this is why it's important to not rush wants with particular prospects because at the end of the day Walker is probably he's probably slightly below what he is as a player you know when he first came up at the NHL level and he was playing with a ton of adrenaline and was just flying around and and really getting shots on that now playing on the fourth line compared to playing on the second line are two different things but he hasn't really done anything to warrant further slots up in the lineup. Um, so he, he just has kind of blended in here over these last couple of stints with the Minnesota Wild. And you factor that in with the fact that Adam Beckman is also injured. There are not a lot of options for the Wild to fill these spots. And so it leads to a completely depleted Iowa Wild roster. And a very injured Minnesota Wild roster that it leads to uh, not a lot of success for either one uh, at this point, which is why I think both teams have started to uh, to scuffle here a little bit. Keith joining us tonight. Opportunities for some looks from the AHL guys. Did better on staying out of the penalty box. Flurry was great. These are all accurate assessments. Um, It just... It was just one of those, like, let's give Jacob Markstrom some credit, too. Uh, he made some really, really key saves, like the um, even the shot by Patan that deflected off of his stick to Pat Maroon for the tap-in goal. That's just an outrageous play that Markstrom was able to make to, uh, to stop that initial shot. Uh, but let's let's also talk about something that I have noticed too. That is kind of a a point of contention for me. Um, I I noticed it with Marcus Johansson in particular. Not to pick on him, but I'm going to point it out because it's something that I noticed. Uh, Jacob Markstrom is a big goalie, six foot six. He is an absolute like troll. In And it feels like for me and honestly, if if anybody is more knowledgeable of like goalie tactics, please feel free to uh, to chime up in the chat because I'm just going to say what I think needs to happen. If I'm right, I'm right. If I'm wrong, I'm happy to be wrong. It feels like if you have a big goalie like that, like Jacob Markstrom, who can kind of get set and really take up a ton of the box it feels like your best bet to beat him is to get him to come out of the net and challenge. And the way that you do that is through those odd man rushes where you get a two-on-one or a three-on-one. You have to get him out of the net to get him to challenge so that he commits and makes a move, and then you have to try to react to that. If you're just peppering shots on his pads, he's big enough to where he can wall off a big portion of the net. And Jewel Eriksson tried. He had one shot that he zipped. He buzzed uh, Markstrom up high. I feel like especially with a big goalie who has a bigger trunk, a bigger core, a bigger lower body, you got to try to get them it's like it's like throwing golf balls at trying to throw golf balls past an oak tree. Like you're not going to have a ton of success if you're trying to hit a target directly behind a giant oak tree and you're just stationarily throwing the the golf balls and hoping that you're going to be able to get one where they make a mistake. Like it feels like you just have to try to pull a guy out of the net. I don't know. I might I might be crazy um on that, but um yeah, it's I don't know. It's it's a situation again where we have to just keep in mind how many players are out of this lineup. And at some point it just is um, really, really difficult to overcome all of these types of injuries. So they, they're they going to have to just continue to try to tread water, um, and hope that there's time enough for them to make a run once all these guys come back. But again, as I continue to say, you're running out of season. Like if now, so let's let's talk through the timeline of how this has worked over the last however many times these injuries have happened. So you had the slow start. You had the slow start, and the dialogue was, if we can just get to Thanksgiving and reset, we'll be fine. You had a little bit. You had the John Hines taking over, and then it was, if we can just get to Christmas, And reset, we'll be fine. And now, the one that is starting to kind of resonate is, if we can get to the all-star break and reset with all these guys back, we'll be fine. Like, what is the next one going to be after that? The trade deadline? You're running out of opportunities to reset, and all of these teams in front continue to win. And so is it possible that when everybody comes back that they're able to go on a miraculous run to get back into this? It's possible, but it just doesn't seem as likely that uh, that it's going to happen now on the injury front uh, I will clarify for Steve Uh, yes Zuccarello was skating before uh, at morning skate today now from what was said by uh, Joe Smith by others that were were there covering was that Zuccarello was a placeholder for Marcus Foligno in the lineup so just at that point I think I'm not sure he was doing a ton, simply just taking the rushes on that line to get some skating in. But they were pretty quick to say, even with that development, that he is still week to week and is still, you know, a ways out from being able to return to the lineup. So that's frustrating, Um because again, we just we have no idea with these injuries what the timetable is for any of these guys. We don't know. I could I could get a paper cut and classify it in the NHL as an upper body injury and nobody would know. Like I could get one of those in between the finger paper cuts and fully rehab it, <laughs> rehab a paper cut. Fully rehab it, fully heal it without anybody seeing it and still be like two or three weeks be week to week. And you'd never know. You would never know. So I, I true, I don't know how far out any of these guys are, but something tells me it's, it's going to be a while now. This is the other thing. because Tracy is mentioning, um, that we've got a lot of blue line shots that we have seen and this is this plays nicely off of my point earlier that the wild need to do a better job of avoiding those one and done possessions because guess what a lot of the time those one on those one and done possessions are one and done because you get into the zone and you immediately because you haven't been in the offensive zone for a while you immediately fire a shot on the goalie from the blue line that makes it um, an easy save. And it just leads to a quick reset. You go and you lose the face off and you immediately are are backpedaling into the, uh, into the defensive zone. And so a lot of those shots from the blue line, I'd like to see them closer into the net. And I will give the Wild credit. They did a really good job of getting to the front of Jacob Markstrom but again feels to me like the operative mode to attack a goalie like Jacob Markstrom is that you have to try to pull him out from getting just parked in the in the between the pipes and so if you're going to sit in front of him and try to jam pucks past him that just doesn't feel like the operative way to uh, to attack a goalie. So um, th- there have been just a lot of shots that were easily blocked from the uh, the top of the zone, and that ends up being a problem too because you only get a handful, you only get a set amount of uh, of shot attempts per game, and if twenty four blocked shots in this game for the Calgary Flames, so. Take however many shot attempts the Minnesota Wild had in this game. Subtract 24 of those. If you had even 10 of those opportunities, that might be a goal. And so that that ends up being something, too, where you just have to continue to, uh, to work closer to the net to cash in on some of those opportunities. Um, let's talk about this quadrum. I heard down the Facebook grapevine something about the wild trying to get Matt Dumba back. Any chance of this happening? Love to see him over goose and Merrill. Let's go to the tape and look at Matt Dumba's numbers so far this season. Uh, Where is he at here? Okay. So Dumba so far this year, he has five points in 34 games. Two goals, three assists. He's a minus four on the season. Let's see if we can get a little further breakdown as to what, uh, what he's done. He had one point in the month of December, but he was a plus four. Um, I honestly, look, I liked Dumba when he was here. Obviously that fight with Kachuk completely changed the trajectory of his career. I, I just think we reached the point with, um, we just reached the point with Dumba where it made the most sense to just move on. Would I take him over Golagoski or Merrill? I'd probably take him over John Merrill. Honestly, I don't really know because uh, I have heard some things that he hasn't been particularly good for the Arizona Coyotes so far this season. So, I and he, let me let me set this let me set the record here for the group um as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline, which will be the next. That'll be the next if we can just get to the trade deadline and reset. That'll be the uh, the next one that we see from the wild after it turns out there are more injuries between now and the uh, the All Star break. I'm I am hugely against trade deadline acquisitions for this roster for a couple of reasons. Number one, from a money perspective, you really can't make it work unless you move somebody off the roster. And I don't get the sense that Bill Guerin is super amped about the possibility of doing that. Like, he is very adamant that he likes Hartman, Foligno, Zuccarello, Johansson, Fleury, Goligoski. I don't see any of those guys being moved off the roster, and so what is left for you to throw at teams to make trades, picks or prospects. I'm I'm not super jacked about the opportunity to add something to a mix that I think I don't think anybody is of the illusion that this team is capable of a deep cup run this year. I don't think anybody is is putting themselves in that category. So just, I, it just doesn't make sense for me to try to resuscitate this season by bringing somebody in, even if it is Matt Dumba. And as Tracy points out, Dumba's $3.9 million salary, Arizona would have to eat a good chunk of that, which means that you're going to have to pay more in prospects to get him. And as far as selling at the deadline goes, let's look at this too. Zuccarello, Hartman, Johansen. Johansson. Um, I should just look at cap friendly because I have it up here. Uh, as far as selling goes, the guys who would be on the block if you were going to sell, which is another thing that Bill Guerin will never do, Connor Dewar, Pat Maroon, and Brandon Duhame. And at least on the Dewar and Duhame front, those are guys that I think play pretty good low-end roles, fourth-line roles. Now, they're not they're not irreplaceable by any stretch, but I certainly would be of the mindset that I would like to keep players like that Now, Pat Maroon, on the other hand, he's been a good locker room presence. I mean, he was a pleasant surprise at the beginning of the season. I think we've kind of seen now more what we expected at the beginning of the year from him over these uh, these last few months. That'd be about the only guy that you could really legitimately see a team trying to grab. And that would be for him to play a fourth line role with them. Too much money for the likes of Felino, Hartman. Those contracts are not going to be suitable for playoff teams to come in and to try to acquire unless you eat half of it for the next three or four years. So I don't think this team's going to buy at the deadline. I don't think they're going to sell. And so, folks, if this continues, I hate to say it, but We're pretty stuck. This roster is pretty stuck. So best hope is that this team views getting healthy as trade deadline acquisitions and either limps into the postseason on the final day, winning in, or doesn't make it. And then what we're going to get if the team doesn't make it is the well everybody has to be better we got to be better um it's the it's the reality of the situation and and mike you've you've listened to the show enough all of you have in here to know that i typically love to take an optimistic approach i legitimately enjoy doing this i enjoy seeing this team succeed but I think it's important that is I think it's very important for Lockdown Wild in particular to just be real about what lies ahead and what's happening so far this season. That's that's just kind of where where they're at. They're not gonna tank this that's not a word that exists and you can thank craig leopold for that that is not a word that has ever been in the vocabulary of this franchise and it never will be so there won't be unless something goes just horribly horribly wrong or unless they are able to find somebody to come in that demands that the team do that or sell the team um it's going to be playoffs or bust for this team, and so we're we're backed into we are backed into a proverbial corner here with how this team proceeds, and the only option you have is to just cross your fingers, close your eyes, and uh, light some candles, put some sage on um and hope that everybody comes back and that there's enough time to try to continue the season. Like that's that's where I'm at with it. Now again, when the team wins, I uh I'll hop right back on the we are back. But again, I think it's I think it's important to keep in perspective the reality of the situation. Steve mentioning we have a very good team when we are healthy, but the defense needs some new kids. this is this is a very, very good point too. And I think this will probably be the one that I end on. Um They need to really revamp the defense. And I think it's because we've seen just the impact that having a young prospect like Brock Faber can provide it's just young prospects provide so much juice, so much life because they haven't been beaten down by the years of play at the NHL level yet. They're still moldable. They're still learning. They're wide eyed. They're, they're excited for the opportunities uh, to grow and develop at the NHL level. And so um, it's, they do need another one or two guys I think especially defensively that are able to come in here in the next year or two because Jared Spurgeon ain't getting any younger and it hasn't happened yet durability wise though with both Spurgeon and Brodeen, you know that's certainly a conversation to be had the um The play of Jonas Brodine hasn't broken down yet, but he's going to get older and it's going to happen eventually. And so if you can get Carson Lambos or Jack Peart or Kyle Masters or or one of those guys, if you can get one of those guys to come in and have a similar impact that Brock Faber has, that's going to go a thousand miles in the right direction so that's going to be something maybe that's something that i should start to key in on here a little bit to uh to see who may be able to help brock faber in the passing of the torch for the wilds defensively so that's where we're at i'm not super optimistic for thursday because it's the tampa bay lightning but we've been in situations like this before where. You're not optimistic. I was semi-optimistic about the uh, the game tonight. But look how that happens. I have had plenty of games over the last couple of seasons where I have said the Wild have no chance. And they end up making me look like an idiot because they they go out and they win. This is the nature of life at the NHL, is that for all the matchups we see on paper where it's like um where it's like oh yeah the wild have no chance the team that they play comes in and plays terribly plays down to the competition somebody has a bad game goalie has a bad game there are a bunch of different things that can equalize the odds seeming poor and so while i feel like the odds are not ever in our favor Um, Thursday's a new day. And so we're going to get some sleep gonna sleep on it. And, uh, we're going to see what's what we can cook up for the Tampa Bay lightning on Thursday, Tampa Bay, starting five D men tonight could be advantageous. Now that would provide an opportunity to attack a goalie for the Minnesota wilds. So we'll monitor this. We'll, uh, We'll get some sleep, and uh, we'll we'll be back, back at it and ready to rock for Thursday's game. Now, there will be an episode tomorrow, still cooking up what exactly uh, to discuss, but we'll have that for you uh, first thing in the morning. So thank you, everybody, for coming to this. Uh, I'm not going to call it event session because, again, I honestly wasn't super mad or really mad at all about what we saw in this game. Markstrom just stood on his head, and the Wilds, without a ton of their skill players, weren't able to muster the tying goal. They gave up an empty netter. So let's let's just hop in here and talk it out, and that's exactly what we did. So thank you everybody for for coming in here, just talking things through. That's that's why we do these is so that uh, that everybody can can come in here and we can all just kind of take it all in, talk ourselves through it and get ready to uh, to move on to the next one. So appreciate everybody joining. As always, um, make sure, as mentioned, as Mike mentions, and as Tracy mentions, make sure to hit that like button before you hop out of here for the night. And uh, thank you for all of the support here throughout uh, the course of 2024 so far. Plenty more to come as the year unfolds. And so uh, I thank you sincerely for making Locked on Wild your choice for uh, Minnesota wild news and notes here throughout the season. Uh, You can follow us on social media, follow us on your favorite podcast platforms, follow us on YouTube, you name it, we're there and we'll keep you up to date throughout the rest of the season. You can find new episodes plus pre and post game content as well. All as part of the locked on podcast network.